What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Mm Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. Today, we are getting practical. We're getting down to brass tacks. I am talking with Ali Kazaza, who is from AliKazaza.com and who is the author of a new book, Declutter Like a Mother. Don't we all need that? Yes, I'm going to answer my own question. And who is the host of The Purpose Show. So welcome, Ali, to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me on and and sharing your space with me. I appreciate it. For sure. So, you know, we talk a ton at Modern Mommy Doc just about having a framework for your life that makes sense and that's intentional and that is about what you actually want your life to be like when you're 80 years old at that retirement party or at that like celebration party. What do you look back on and say, yes, I did this the way that I really wanted to. And part of that is getting rid of the contaminators, all the things that kind of get in our way and steal our joy. And so when I think about your work, which all about minimalism. I feel like that's the work you're doing is trying to get rid of those contaminators that really clutter up our mental space and our physical space. So Mm -hmm. I would love for you to tell people your story, how you came to realize this was so important, especially for mops. Yeah. So everything that I do online, like the message, the method, the business comes from my own personal struggle, my own story. And really, I mean, at the time that all of this began, I have four kids now. I had three at the time and they were all super little, like toddlers and babies. And I just was, I was struggling so bad and it felt really dark. And I'm just going to be really honest. I felt like I didn't want to be a mom anymore. I had so much dread every day when I woke up. Um, I was absolutely depressed. I was kind of in this place of going between like, okay, like I had had postpartum depression before when my first was born and I knew it wasn't that. So I was like, okay, like, do I go get meds? Like, what do I need? And I just knew like it was circumstantial. There was something about just where my life was at that I felt was off. And then I felt guilty for feeling off because mom culture, there's so much guilt there. 
And as I was kind of like, I was like reading books and, and mommy blogs and Googling and asking friends and, and women that were ahead of me in life. And I just felt like the message was the same. It was kind of this like counterproductive message of, oh, yep, like it's so hard. Like that's motherhood. Welcome to the club. And oh, just you think it's hard now? Just wait till they're teenagers. But also car pay every single DM because it goes like so fast. Like it was just this mixed message of, I guess, basically hopelessness. And there were some things like, oh, just like get organized and like practical things. And I was like, I don't need to get organized. I'm, I'm drowning and I'm snapping at toddlers. Like every day I wanted this life and I had it and I was miserable. And I think even just admitting that I was miserable was not something I was able to do at that time because I was so scared about what that meant about me. And I didn't have any hindsight. Obviously I'm out of that time now. So I can say this story and feel fine admitting that. But at the time, like I was so scared Um, and I just felt like I had no help. And so long story short, I sat in that time and was raising my kids in that for a long time. And then I had this one day where I was just, I had been really like, okay, like God, universe, I need help. I need something to break and and I don't want it to be me. And I'm just really having a hard time. So I was like actively seeking an answer. And I had this one day where I really just like, I started to become aware of, I kind of had like an aerial perspective over my life and my days and what I was doing. And I just became super aware that literally every single day, all I did was maintain things that we're supposed to be like the side notes, like the stupid stuff that we have to do, but it's not the point of life, like dishes and laundry and cooking and taking care of the little mundane things about the kids, but not actually like being with them and not actually being with myself and not knowing like who the F I was. Like I had completely disconnected from myself, um, which of course is a huge contributing factor to depression. And um, I just, I noticed that all of my time and energy went to stupid stuff that just wasn't, it was supposed to be a side note. It's the mundane things. I felt like I was maintaining a life that I would rather be living. And so I then wondered, like this was nine years ago. So there were no, there was no minimalism documentaries, books. I didn't know it was even called that even today. Like that word has so much attached to it. I want to encourage anyone that needs to, to just ditch the word minimalism altogether and forget it. And we'll go a different way. But I didn't know any of that. And I just was like a desperate girl wanting things to get better and wanting to live my life and not buy into the belief anymore that motherhood is just, I don't know if I can cuss on the show so we can cut it out if me too, but it's just a shit show all the time. There's nothing you can do about it. Just like embrace it and like see the good and do your best and like wait till they get older. It's even harder. Coffee till wine and then it's nine and the kids are finally away from you. Like I just didn't want to do it anymore. And, um, I just, I I was like, what if this was all gone? Like, what if, what would life be like if I didn't even have any laundry or dishes to do? If there was none of this, obviously that's too extreme. We can't do that. But it got me thinking like, well, what if I just got really close to that? And there was just so much less that I wasn't running against the clock every day to get things done that 
it matters. The house needs to feel good to me. I need to like my space. It needs to be clean, but I want to, I want to like home educate my kids and have time for that. When they get older, I want to start a business. I want to create jobs. I want to, I have a purpose burning in me. and I don't feel like I even have room to shower and I'm tired of that hot mess mom culture life. I'm so sick of it. And so that's what I did. I just started to remove the excess from my physical environment. Cause it's all I could think to do at the time. And I know now what takes up your space takes up your time. So as I started to do that, I really did. I got lighter. My kids played better together with less overstimulation of stuff everywhere. Um, my relationships improved because I wasn't stretched so thin all the time. I didn't have as much pressure on myself. I had more time. I started to move my body and work out and eat better and get to know myself as a mother. I, I became a mom when I was 21. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even know who I was. And I, I felt like motherhood stole all of that from me. And that wasn't true at all. It was what I had been conditioned to allow. So minimalism, simplicity, the removal of excess shit that gets in your way and clogs your life up and steals everything from you gave me my life back. And that's what I do. I help other women do the same thing. And there's a whole method now that expands beyond physical environment, but we always start there because I believe that's where we need to start. I love that. And I hope that you guys were taking that in because this is not just an experience that Allie had. It's an experience that almost every single mom that I meet in my pediatrics practice has Mm -hmm. that I had myself. And I can so resonate with this moment of reckoning that it sounds like you had of like, wait a second, my life is flipped around. It's in reverse. The things that I want to be placing my time, my energy, my attention to it's, I, I don't even have the bandwidth to do that. And in fact, now I'm living the opposite way. I want to have a relationship with my kids. I want to be in community with other people. I want to be living according to something that's my purpose. But these other things are overshadowing all of that. And what is the least important has basically become the most important in terms of the way that I spend my life. So mm-hmm. um, I just want to give everybody permission to do an audit of your own life to say, where am I? And you can give yourself grace no matter where you are. But first step is that reckoning of like, hmm, how am I actually living my life? Mm. Okay. So you had this moment of reckoning and then what? Like, what was the first step? You said it was addressing your physical space. What did you do or how did you go about it? Because there's a lot of shows out there that are about like getting rid of stuff. There's a lot of like, you know, rhetoric out there, but I want to know what really worked for you because actually, even for myself, I know there are corners of my house that I'm like, oh my gosh, this needs like a revamp. We got to, let me get the trash bag out and take that stuff out. So what did you do to start having more minimalism or more purpose in terms Mm -hmm. of your physical space? Yeah. So I'll, I'll share what I did at the time and then I'll share what I know now from studying this for so many years. So at the time, I felt like it made sense to start where I just knew this one particular area was such a just such a drain on everything. And it was actually the kids play area. It was in the house. It was technically the dining area, but we didn't use it like that. And we just had like, you could see it from the entryway. You could see it from the kitchen. You could see it from the family room and the living room. You could see it from the top of the stairs. Like you could see that space from every 
corner of the house. And it was full of bins that were all overflowing with toys. So my husband and I had the first grandkids on both sides. So they were so well loved, but like <laughs> overly stuffed. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't know, like, what am I, I, I didn't know. And none of this was trendy. There was, there were, this was nothing. And so I'm just like, oh, cool. Like toys. We didn't have to pay for. And, and we just had all of it. And the kids were so little, like they would just walk in there and dump everything out, look for their one or two favorite things, and then toddle back out two seconds later, like saying they're bored or wanted a snack again. Then it was like, okay, this room is literally the bane of my existence. I, I remember like inviting people to come over and have a play date, getting everything organized, cleaning it up because it was like not safe. Like it was like not okay. And then the kids that would come over and just dump everything out and have to do it all over again. Like it was just, they're not even playing with these things. It's not even helping me. They're, they're saying they're bored in two seconds. Like something about this isn't working. Now I know kids do way better with less options. They were very overstimulated. They didn't want to be in there. Um, It literally is not good for their brains. And so at the time, I just knew this isn't working. So I actually started there. I got the kids in bed that night and then just grabbed a box of trash bags, put some music on and stayed up pretty much all night, like going through, I think I did do some of like the laundry and like my clothes, but I really focused on that room. And I just... I didn't have any guideposts. I just was thinking like, I knew I wanted my kids to spend more time outside. I wanted them to know what it was like to like make mud pies and be in the sunshine and find bugs and put them in the little bug houses. And I didn't want them to have so many, they had like plastic toys that did all the imagining for them and it just wasn't aligning. So I just got rid of everything that wasn't their favorite, that wasn't aligning with the childhood I wanted them to have, that didn't feel like constructive or imaginative play. So we kept like, dress up clothes. We kept blocks. We kept the wooden, my kids were really into Thomas the train then. So all the little, all the things that were like constructing something or imagining something. And we weren't left with much. And the next day I specifically remember my three and two year old played in that space together for two hours. You know, as well as I do, probably better than I do. That's mm-hmm, a miracle mm-hmm. at that age, at any age. <laughs> but, and it didn't, it didn't keep going like, Oh, two hours a day. It just was that morning. They, it was like, they were set free too. It wasn't just me. And so I, I felt like that day I was like, I'm on to something here. Less is really more. I can feel this. I feel a difference. I feel, I feel energized. Like I remember I made a really good breakfast for myself and ate it while it was hot because the kids were playing and I felt so good that day. And so I immediately felt that tie. Marshall Goldsmith says, if you do not create and control your environment, your environment creates and controls you. And that's what I was living out. So that's why I still in my method years later, I still have women start with the physical environment because it is the foundation for everything. It is basically the frequency of how you are living. So if you want to change your vibration, you want to change your frequency, you want to level up, change your environment. And I like what you said about basically taking things away, creating less for a purpose. Like you're saying no to things or getting rid of things in order to say yes to something else, as opposed to the idea of, I need to minimalize because I just need to have less in my life or be more disciplined. Because I really feel like that's the hangup that we have in general in terms of saying no to people's requests on our time, to saying no to extra stuff, is that as humans and as moms and as Americans, for sure, it's really hard for us just to be like, no, 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 I'm going to deprive myself. As opposed to saying, this is the thing I want to say yes to. And in order to say yes to that, I have to leave space for it by saying no to these other things. Do I have that right for your philosophy too? 
Yeah. And I so agree. It's counterculture. It's very difficult. We want more. We want better. We want it now. But really, like, I'm the type of personality that resists structure. I like to be free. I like to be spontaneous and just feel into the day. I'm very feelings-based. I dress by mood. Like, I don't like commitments. And so I resisted all of this for a long time. But what I saw in my life over and over again was by resisting any type of like intentionality, because really I wasn't resisting structure, I was resisting intention. And I still am not a very structured person, and that's fine. But when I resist intentionality, I no longer have space to do the spontaneous things. I no longer have space for fun. I no longer have space to ditch homeschool for the day and take my kids to Legoland. Like I can't because if I do, I'm going to be severely punished when I get back because I have to catch up. And that's no fun. I don't want to live a life where I'm basically punishing myself. So it's about less of what is excessive and unnecessarily making your life harder so that you can have more of what really lights you up and what really matters to you. And that is going to vary person to person. It's more of whatever you want, more time for your working on your business, more time to podcast, more time to have an amazing marriage, more time to get to know yourself and read books and work out and love yourself more time to whatever. So it's like that relativity for people to understand that this is the way to freedom for whatever you want that freedom to be used for, that's huge. Okay. So I have a question related to that because I feel like when it comes to a toy room or a playroom, I think relatively concretely, people can probably say, yep, this is something that I want to invest in. This is something that I want to keep around. This aligns with kind of my philosophy. But how do you personally, when you're thinking about how you want to invest your time or your energy, how do you make decisions around that? How have you come to know yourself well enough that you can feel like you're very, very intentional in those decisions? Yeah, that's a good question. Personally, for me, I make my decisions from the gut. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. Yes. Love okay. the Enneagram. Okay. I'm, some, when people are like, no, I'm like, oh, I don't know how to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I just feel like, I feel like personality tests can really become a crutch and they can really get us stuck and we can obsess over them, but they could also become tools that help us know ourselves. So for me, things like that really empower me. So I'm an eight on the Enneagram with a seven wing and on the I forget what it's called, the where you make your decisions from or where you, you know, whatever. I'm mm-hmm. the gut and it rings true. So every decision I'm like, well, let me just think about how that makes me feel and I'll get back to you. Like I, my verbiage has always been feel, feel, feel. My husband is, I believe, the head. So he's mm-hmm. like thinking, thinking, thinking. So for me, like it all goes back to how I feel. If I make a commitment and it no longer feels good or I did it because I felt obligated or like I had to, I will literally not be able to sleep until I cancel. Like the gut, my feeling, it just pulls at me like this is not aligned. This is not good. So for me, I always go back to that. What is this decision? If I keep this in my life or keep this in my space or allow this or don't allow it, how is it going to make me feel? And oftentimes I have to sit with it for a little bit and kind of imagine going down the path of saying yes. And then imagine going on the path of saying no. And like my gut will wake up and talk to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think That is true for me as well. And what I have found has gotten in the way of that is if I overschedule myself and get into the rhythm of like, I'm just going through all my checkboxes. I don't have any time to sit with myself and think. I can't tune into that. So 
that's why for me and at Modern Mommy Jack, I'm always preaching about like, you got to build in quiet space and stillness for yourself and for your kids so that that way you have the chance to feel it, to be like, why is my mind running a mile a minute? Why do I feel this like weird angsty deal in my chest? Why does my body feel misaligned? Oh, it's because I have this meeting that's coming up that it's not that I'm nervous that I won't do a good job on it. And that's what I need to cancel. It's because it just is not the right fit for where I want to spend my time today or what's going to fit well with my life. So I feel like that stillness for me has been the key to being able to tap into that deeper part of feeling. And it's really hard for me because that's not my nature, right? And that's not how I was raised. I was raised like, go, 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 go. Yeah, that's such a brilliant thing to bring up. And I appreciate you doing that because it is so much easier to make space for thinking and feeling and, you know, being a person, (laughs) if you don't have stuff in your way, every turn, when you wake up, you wake up to disarray and chaos that messes with you. That's a message to your unconscious mind. And it's picking up messages all the time. Your unconscious mind remembers every single thing that happened. Here's every single thing, even if you're not like consciously aware and hearing it. So imagine walking into your closet and you've got rows of old clothes that don't fit you anymore because your body changed when you became a mother. What message is that sending your unconscious? You're literally walking into stress and shame or whatever you would translate that as what happens when you open the closet and stuff spills out and you've got guests over and you're embarrassed and you can't even find what you're looking at. Like it's just our environment is either working against us or it's working for us and you're paying for that space. So it better be working for you. And for me, my space needs to work for me in the sense that it allows me to have time to breathe. If you don't have time to just sit for a moment and notice how you feel about that upcoming meeting, you're too friggin' busy. Your environment Mm -hmm. is working against you. Like it's not, something's not working. You have to create space somewhere. And the easiest and quickest, like most return on investment right away way to create space is to create physical space in your environment. And then it kind of unfolds from there. And you'll find that you have more mental space. You have more energetic space. You feel lighter. Like it's very therapeutic. I love that. And one thing that I read as I was just like, you know, fangirling you and looking up all your stuff was about one thing that you have given yourself permission to say no to in terms of filling your physical space are school and sports pictures for kids, which I was laughing my head off because (laughs) those pictures always turn out, these kids look like weirdos in those pictures anyway, but you feel obligated to, to purchase them. And so I think This other common theme that I hear you talking about is this idea of showing up for yourself and deciding that you are actually in charge of your own life and the decisions that you make. You can't control all of the environmental things that happen, like the pandemic and like all the things that happen in the world or in life. We can't control that. But Mm -hmm. that Like you're a grown ass woman. You can decide if you want to purchase the school pictures or not. Right. Right. And that's, that's the thing. Like you, you hit it on the head. We feel obligated because it's like almost like what kind of a mom am I, if I don't take the opportunity to have this memory. And it's like the photos that you take with your kid outside your front door on the first day of school are so much more 
conducive to like who they are and their personality and where they were at at that time of their life than this stiff photo that some professional took in a room full of strangers with all their classmates in line watching or all their teammate like in line watching. You know how those photos go. Your whole team is watching you. They move their hat and set it on top of their head. They look like dorks. Like they're not themselves. <laughs> no. <laughs> and why no. do I, I don't want that memory. So it's like, I think it's just that lesson. It's not even just about the school or sports photos. It's about the thought process of why do I feel like I need to have this? Mm-hmm. And am I maybe like for me and with the first year I was like, why am I buying these? These are awful photos. It was because I didn't feel like I was taking enough photos and I didn't feel like I had captured the year. So it was like, okay, I'm going to get really good. I'm going to upgrade my iPhone. It was like years ago and invest in the one that's like got the newest camera and I'm going to take better photos and I'm going to really capture my kids because I don't want cluttered photos that don't even show show their real personality because I felt like I didn't have enough. Like it, it's, everything is emotion. It's not about clutter. It's not about things ever. It's always about decisions and emotion. So what decision are you avoiding by having, and that's the clutter in your home or what, um, emotion are you not wanting to deal with? And so you're buying things to make you feel better, whether it's a school photo or, you know, a million shirts from anthropology, whatever it is. You know how, like in high school, you could join different clubs depending on your interests or things people were into? I wasn't really that much of a club person when I was younger, but these days it feels like having a tribe of other working moms around me is so, so valuable. And it's hard to do in real life because we're all scattered and busy and have our separate lives. We have designed the Modern Mamas Club to be that club, that tribe, that support network for you. And we didn't want it just to be about what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome professional or what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome mom, but also what are the ways we can help you to remember who you are as an individual person? Voila, welcome. The Modern Mamas Club is on the scene. It's a community of mamas to support you, 24 access to our video library, live events, workshops, hangouts, relatable mom rooms and discussions, and a resource library and recommendations from yours truly, Dr. Whitney. Go check it out at modernmommydoc.com. I just finished uh, The Conscious Parent, that book. I don't know if you've read it, but honestly, it's like truth bomb. It just like came at me and I thought like, oh my gosh, Uh even as a pediatrician, I need to share this with every single person that I know. Wow. Yeah. Her whole thing is about basically what you're talking about. It's about being kind of awake and aware enough as we make decisions, as we flip out at our kids to be able to say, huh, I wonder why that's happening. I wonder Mm. why I'm making this decision. Is this about my ego? And I want to make sure that we bring that into this conversation for moms, because I think that a lot of the purchases we make, the things that we do in our homes to try to make them look more beautiful and like all the stuff that we buy or purchasing those photos are about ego. We don't want to look like a bad parent. We don't want to look like the mom that doesn't care, especially for me as a working mom. I sometimes Mm -hmm. have to take a step back and say, like, I'm still a great mom if I don't bake cookies for my kids and bring them to, you know, to the school or if my kids don't have like the fanciest shoes on or whatever, like the newest hair clips, like we have to take stock of 
why exactly is it that we're making this decision for ourselves or for our children? Is it about us and making ourselves feel better about ourselves? Or is it about actually serving a purpose for them and for us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I think like, for me at least, I used to not want to look like a bad mom to my own self. Like I was trying to perform and prove so much. And there's a story there for everyone. For me, it was like the postpartum depression. I have no memories of my daughter's first year. It was so bad. And I refused to get meds because I was told that they were evil. Mm -hmm. And so I lost that first year. And then struggling all those years after with my other two and having three of them, like I think I felt unconsciously so burdened by guilt that I just was like trying to prove like, okay, to myself, like I've got this. The depression's not coming back. I'm a good mom. And I was performing myself back into depression. Like it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so really like that's why I'm always saying that clutter is not nothing more than unmade decisions and sometimes avoided emotions. So this is why it's hard to declutter. You sometimes do need a guide. It's a lot. It's very taxing. It's very difficult to make decisions. You're not bad at it. You're not dumb. It's not about the stuff. It's about emotions and memories and decisions to make. And moms already have decision fatigue as it is. Like going head into making more decisions doesn't really sound that appealing. (laughs) No, not at all. Okay, so let's get practical for a second because I know there are people chomping at the bit. Like, yes, yeah. I'm in. I want to I wanna do it. I want to have less so I can have more. But where do I yeah. start? What's the best way to approach this? Okay, so like I said, I started in the toy room just because that was what it was really bothering me. Like I just wanted to have at it and there's no wrong way to go. Like you could totally do that. You could start with what's making you heavy. If you're like, I'm going to get it done. That's my personality. But a lot of people, they get kind of like analysis paralysis. They're motivated, but they're not like ready to just dive in no matter what. Um, and they're, they're timid. They don't trust themselves. That's always the common denominator. They don't trust themselves to make decisions. So For everyone listening, if that's you, or if you just don't know where your heaviest spot is, I always recommend starting in the bathroom. It could be your bathroom. It could be a guest bathroom, but do the bathrooms first because it's typically not a spot where you see a lot of sentimental items or like really hard to decide on items. It's easy yeses and nos, old broken hair tools products with dust on the lids that obviously haven't been used in a long time. Things that are like, oh my God, I can't believe I even still have this. It's very easy. And there's no donation items almost ever. It's always trash or keep. So you're Mm -hmm. even eliminating a pile. Like it's just very easy and you're going to see an immediate return on that investment. You're immediately going to feel so excited to be in your bathroom. I have women that email me Every week, I had my coffee in my bathroom this morning because I didn't want to be anywhere else. Is that the only place I've decluttered? And it's like, yeah, like I've had people message me pictures on Instagram that they're eating their dinner on the like edge of their tub because they just oh, love cute. being in there so much. And it's like, yeah, it's it's your environment. Like you you made a happy space, so your brain doesn't mm. want to leave it. You made something lighter. Now imagine when your whole house is like that. Like it's just a few decisions away. You've got this. So mm-hmm. start there and let that build up that motivation, that momentum that you need to keep going. And then hold the vision hold the vision of the end of when you know, like everything is working for you. Your junk drawer is now a utility drawer. Your kitchen is working with you, not against you. Your laundry, it's impossible to have this massive laundry mountain because you don't have a bunch of clothes no one is wearing. And then the next part of the method will go through 
getting your rhythms in place. So you're rhythmically getting things done and almost automating your house to work again with you instead of against you. So it's, it's that vision of the end in sight. It makes the little decisions and the like, gosh, when am I going to fit this in? I'm spending my Saturdays decluttering for a few weeks. It makes it not matter because the end goal is so juicy. And it's so much easier. I I do all of my clothing organization in my and decluttering in my closet by color so that I can choose mm-hmm. everything according to that. I do kind of a capsule wardrobe. Um, yeah. And it makes it so that when I go to get dressed, it actually takes me significantly less time in the morning because I'm able to see what I have and it all goes together and all that. So I think whenever you make investments in whatever way that you do it in terms of decluttering and organizing, it always pays off in the end because you're going to spend less time. One other thing I wanted to bring up about what you said about this space. So Last year, my daughter was having the worst time emotionally with emotional dysregulation. We were, as a family, really at a broken place. And I've talked about it a ton on the blogs and even in my book and in all Mm. types of places. And there was a point at which when I came to my front door, I felt like running away from my house. Like I felt like I do not want to enter my physical space because it's so chaotic. It's so horrible to be there because everything is so stressful every single time that I come in the house. Mm. And so my husband and I decided that we needed to make our bedroom specifically a place that was a haven for us where Mm. it just felt calm and peaceful. And so we started there. So just as an encouragement to people to think about um, an additional way you could do this, which is we made it like all those white cheap curtains from Target. You know, they're like linen-y curtains. We made yeah, it yeah. like the bedspreads all white. It's very, there's hardly anything in there, but it just feels serene when you go in there. And my kids are allowed to come in on like Saturday morning, but otherwise it's basically our space that we go to kind of escape. And I was just thinking about that as you were talking about creating spaces like your bathroom where you want to sit and have coffee that became like a little tiny place in my home where I wanted to actually be. And once I did that with that bedroom, I felt myself being much more motivated to do that in the other spaces in my home too, like a ripple effect. Yes. And isn't it interesting that you naturally in like crisis, would you say it was crisis mode? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it, you find it interesting that you naturally were like, went to your environment to make it lighter? And that, that is the whole thing. This is natural to us. It's just that in our society, it's very consumeristic and don't get me wrong. Like I get Amazon deliveries. Like we do birthday parties and Christmas, like we're normal, but we, it's overdone. It's so overdone all the time. And it's normal to have a 3000 square foot house. that's full of crap. As long as it's hidden in the closet, not a sight out of mind, a garage that no one wants to open because it's full of shit and a storage unit you pay for every month because your house wasn't big enough for all your stuff. And it's just, it's not good for us. It's affecting us. Studies show it over and over and over again, especially women. We are more affected by our environment because we are so powerful and so connected to everyone and everything all the time. We feel it so much heavier. So when you go into crisis mode, the first thing, if you have you ever had a day, I'm sure you have, where you're just like, it's everything is too much, has nothing to do with your house, but everything else is too much. And you just lose it. And like, everyone get in here. We're going to do the whole kitchen. I need these toys picking up. 
It's you automatically want to purge your environment because it's supposed to be supporting you. And if it's not, you notice it right away. So if we can just get ourselves to a place where we're living this way, where our environment is supporting us, and yeah, messes happen. Like there's a folded pile of laundry next to me on the sofa right now that I just haven't put away. Like life, who cares? Stuff, Stuff being out is stuff being out. That's not clutter. Clutter is the unnecessary, the unused, the un, the unneeded. And if that is taking up all of our space, it is going to affect us. So if it were gone and you were intentional and you were the guardian of your environment, you would be literally constantly supporting yourself. And guess what? Crisis mode is going to happen way less often because you're not living your regular mundane life stretched so thin like saran wrap over a casserole that one poke and it all comes apart. You won't be living your normal days like that anymore. So you can handle life. You can handle shit hitting the fan. You can be a little bit more flexible. And when life does happen and it does get really hard, one less thing to freak out about. Your environment is there to be that haven that you need. Okay. So tell me, because as you're thinking about this, I'm thinking about my husband who is like, keeps every single thing. And if I throw things out in the trash, sometimes I have to hide it. So that way he doesn't find it. How do you get a partner on board? Because if you're like, yes, I am going to declutter because I know my environment needs to support me, but my partner doesn't believe it or doesn't know or doesn't understand or isn't quite as woke as me. How do you get a partner on board? Yeah. So just so everyone knows, when I first figured this out, I got like lit up. Like I was like, freaking out. I felt like I had stumbled upon a secret that nobody knew. And I started blogging about it and telling everyone about it. And I was like, I was feeling so much better. And then my husband kind of brought it to a screeching halt because he was like, so the way that he was raised and some things that happened in his childhood had led him to being borderline hoarder. He would keep like random screws and bolts and like junk in the garage just in case we were mm-hmm. also really 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 poor at that time in our life so it was like not an option to just rebuy things and um so he was like really freaked out he panicked and we started to have fights about it and i decided like this isn't worth that but i also deserve to have a home that's working for me and i need to speak my own truth so we had a conversation and we came to this awesome agreement where he could have the garage and the master bedroom room closet. What as messy as he wants, that was his space. I if I found anything in the other areas, I would not declutter. I would put it in the closet or the garage, whatever wherever it belonged. And that was the agreement. But the house needs to work with me because I'm here all day. You're not. Mm-hmm. And we agreed and we lived that way for two years. Before he finally, I mean, that's another story, but he ended up costing us a lot of money and a lot of time on a move because of all his crap. And he, I didn't say a word, but I wanted to. (laughs) And he was like, oh my gosh, you're right. This sucks. Like I'm, I'm done. And now he's actually more minimal than I am. I do not have a capsule wardrobe. I love having options. I love clothes. It's my personality. He is very capsule, very minimal. Um, so he came around And like, I think if you're living this way and you let the other person just be themselves, we can't expect everyone to get on the same page as us about everything at the same time as us. This is a huge problem in our like culture right now. Mm -hmm. Everyone is at each other's throats because we're not on the same page or we haven't learned or gotten awakened to the same things as other people at the same time. And then you're getting bullied. Like, let's not bring that into our marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, Let him be his own person. Let her be her own person. And then you live your life. You have your boundaries. You speak your truth. You get things the way that you need them and you be vocal about that, but have grace that they're not there yet. 
maybe they'll come around like Brian did and be throwing things away as you're trying to use them because they're so minimal. (laughs) Well, (laughs) totally. Well, here, here's the deal too. Like if you think about the people that you're most inspired by, usually they're not the people that come down on you and like preach it to you and say, this is exactly how you need to do it. You mm-hmm. watch them live and you're inspired by them and you want to be that same way. So yes. this was a really important lesson for me as a pediatrician with my kids, because of course I know not all the stuff, but a lot of stuff about how to deal with kids, dysregulatory emotions and how to help them with body training and all those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a lot easier for me to tell my husband this is how you do it. This is the way that it needs to go. And in fact, you know, on a bad day, I have totally done that to him. Like get in line, sure. buddy, let's do it. Right. Like I'm a human too. But yeah. The most effective times where he has gotten on board with something that's a little bit more authoritative versus really authoritarian, which is how mm-hmm. he was raised and I was raised mm-hmm. has been when he watches me do it and it works. And Mm -hmm. that's what I would think would be the same with this. And that's what I've seen, honestly, in terms of our physical space as well, is that when someone watches you and says like, oh, that's so much easier that way. That's so much more joyful that way. That's the time that they normally will come along with you and, and potentially come a little bit more in your direction. Yeah, exactly. I think we just freak out because we found freedom and we don't want it to go back the other direction or have someone cause everything to go backwards and we we get controlling. But we have to release that because that's not worth it. That's not how we want to live. We don't want to be seeking more joy and more intention in our lives and then cause it to wreck our relationships because the path we're trying to get there through is is not the path someone else wants to take. Like we need to focus on the relationships matter. That's why we're doing this. And if they're not there right now, like it's okay, but you also still have a say and how things go. Cause it's your space too. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I've heard you say on your podcast and also on your website, it's all over the place. It's just this getting rid of the notion of like hot mess mom, of you have to be a wreck, of you don't get to show up for yourself in terms of your physical appearance, like Mm. just getting rid of that. And obviously that started with you taking control of your physical space, but I'm going to guess that that also came about with you taking control of your calendar and also your emotional space and obligations with other people. So can you talk at the very end here about how you deal with placing boundaries on your time with other people and requests that other people have from you? Yeah. If you think about it, you'll become aware after listening to this, if you're not already. Hot mess mom culture, there's a lot of layers to it. And I talk about it a lot, but one big key part of it is this idea that motherhood is like we said at the beginning, it's just a shit show all the time. There's really no escaping it. Like it's so hard. Just coffee gets me through it. And then like wine and then just like bitching about it to my girlfriends and having this fake camaraderie from the struggle, complaining about our spouses, complaining about everything, um, gossiping about the woman that goes to the gym and feels good in her body and, and buys herself nice things and cute clothes and, and feels really confident and knowing in who she is because she's, you know, not a hot mess. So we're going to villainize her. She's always the villain in the mom movies and the mom mm-hmm. TV shows. Um, you know, it's just a shame. I feel like I can't watch any shows because it annoys me so much. Yeah. Like she's always <laughs> the villain. And it's, I don't even really identify with her because they always make her like 
they make her kind of a bitch. Like she, mm-hmm. her personality sucks. Yeah. But it's yeah. just like the main thing that villainizes her is that she knows what she wants and she makes time for it and she hires help and she mm-hmm. cares for herself. So that's, you know, you can see that everywhere and you can see it at the park. You can see it in friendships. You can see it in conversations. I've seen it at Bible studies. Like you can't escape it. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that comes from too, like mom is servant. And so because mom is servant, mom never does shit for herself and she hasn't peed alone and she doesn't even know how long or, or oh, I haven't taken a shower in five days. Like, Everyone has those times, but if it's because you're giving to everyone else, you're giving to your family, not because you've been working on a passion project or growing Mm -hmm. your business or, you know, then what is going on? Why? And so because mom is servant, she also says yes to everything because she feels guilty saying no. And well, she could just cut out this thing that she does for herself that she loves and go and volunteer here instead or say yes to the PTA or whatever it is. And so mom is servant becomes mom is just mom and mom is not a person anymore. And mom has lost her womanhood. She doesn't know who she is. And this is so dangerous. It affects our sexuality. It affects our drive, our passion. It affects our personhood. Do you know how many times a day I get messages from women that I'll post something like on my Instagram, I just post like my day and I, I kind of share a lot. People will be like, you just seem to know what you want. Like, I don't even know what I like. I don't even know. Like, if I had a hobby, I don't even know what it would be. And I, I've been there. But now, like, I know who I am. I know what I like. I know what I like to read. I know what I like to listen to. I'm so connected to myself because I got out of that hot mess mom ridiculous culture that's not healthy. I do believe it's patriarchal. I absolutely, it's a part of that whole thing. I think it's dark. I think it's putting us against each other, wearing the mask of camaraderie because all the moms that are a hot mess are like being a hot mess together and it's Mm -hmm. funny and it's cute and there's t-shirts about it and all the things. Um, But I think it's a real problem. And if you now go out in the world and notice, you will not be able to not see it. So I think that when we come against that, when someone asks us to do something and we say, I have to think about that. Let me get back to you in a couple of days. Uh, or I'll even be like, you know what? I can't even think about that. I'll get back to you on Friday. And it's like Monday, mm-hmm. like give yourself mm-hmm. space. And then you, you send that email or that text or that phone call. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to do that. Thanks anyway. Or, you know, hope you find someone that's a great fit. Like, I'm not even going to say sorry. I'm not going to have an excuse. I'm not going to explain why I'm not doing it. I'm just going to say no because it doesn't feel right for me, even though it would be great to help with that. It's not about that. It's about the fact that if I help with that, I'm giving up a piece of my energy and my energy tank is only so big and I have to give it to myself. I have to give that to my spouse, my kids, my business, the women of the world. I have a purpose here. You have a purpose here. We all have a purpose here. And that energy tank is all we've got to do it out of. So we must protect it. We must be the fierce like lioness protectors of our time, of our energy, of our space. We have to stop kidding ourselves that it's okay to just keep giving. We have to give to ourselves. We have to come back to center. We have to know what that center looks like and feels like and know when we're straying from it. Does that make sense? Yes. And here is the deal. If you don't do it, this resentment that will build up, this anxiety that will build up will come out in some other way. It has to release 
It has to release. So it will come out in a migraine. It will come out in depression. It will come out in anxiety. It will come out in you losing your shit with your kids. It will come Mm -hmm. out with you being really angry with your partner. It will come out in some way. And so um, you cannot hide from the fact that you are a human being that has a purpose in this world that is bigger than you being a mom that is bigger than you being a martyr, that is you being a servant and in service to other people. You deserve to show up for yourself, Mm -hmm. mama. Allie, this is pure gold. You guys just go rewind that last like two minutes and listen to that on repeat. I'm going to do it so that that way I can (laughs) encourage myself again, because I'm sure like you, Allie, you know, you're always like listening to your own stuff to be like, yes, encouragement. Thank you so much for being here. And of course. you guys, yeah, check out her book. It's called Declutter Like a Mother and check her out at AllieCazaza.com. Thank you so much. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.